0: Morning. morning. Hey, we're still alive. (laughs) Praise God. Before I go into the message, I'm going to share an announcement since I'm up here, anyhow, and that will give you ladies just a little bit of time to think about it. So if you want to cut the recording for a bit, sorry if that can be. All right into the message. You can turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And by the way, I've said it this way, I'm dealing with the American malaria. We don't have malaria here generally, but uh, what's going around our Church families, this week and last week sure feels like malaria. Uh, the cycling, the chills, the, the whatnot, <clears throat> lasting for a number of days. And many of you have been the recipients of it. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here. But I know that most homes have probably dealt with it. <clears throat> I thought I was over it yesterday. Actually, I was fine yesterday until I finished the message and went to bed and. Shivered most of the night away. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I think we'll uh, we'll stop there. the uh, The title of the message today is the yielded will of Jesus. The yielded will of Jesus. Um, We've been hearing a lot about uh, the uh, resurrection and uh, so forth, and my thoughts began in that note a bit as well, Uh, and uh, would like to, in a a sense, I have almost three different parts to the message, and uh, we'll see if my uh, voice holds up for all three or not, but... uh, The first one is, the first part is the yielded will of Jesus, and uh, and then the second part is kind of our response to that, so we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> the yielded will of Jesus, I think we know what the word yield means, but it does us good to consider the definition a bit and, uh, and to uh, refresh our minds. To yield or to be yielded is simply to resign or to give up. Sometimes, with the idea of giving up or giving over to, as to yield their own opinions, we yield the place to our supervisors. It means to surrender. Uh, And of course, in this, uh, in the context of. of uh, perhaps battle, it would be that of yielding a fortress to an en- enemy. In other words, you give it up. You let it go. <clears throat> so yielding. The yielded will of Jesus. We'd like to uh, look at a few scriptures that, uh, and we'll look at this one in uh, Philippians in a bit more detail, but before we do that, uh, let's consider a few verses in the Gospel of John. Chapter 4 beginning in chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 34. We're just going to take this verse for what it says. Uh, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Now, we could just take that verse alone and discover that jesus yielded his will his whatever his ideas his plan his his uh, intent he yielded it fully to the father completely to the father he uh he uh His meat was to do the will of him that sent him, sent me, and to finish his work. And if we turn just a page to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus again says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. <clears throat> Maybe we could just pause a moment and pray. Could we bow our heads? Our Father, these scriptures are incredibly inspiring There's a lot of truth tucked away in them for our hearts, and today I pray that your Spirit would uh, bring that inspiration, that challenge, that encouragement to each one of us exactly where we find ourselves. Father, we can offer a few words, just like a little lad offered a few fishes, and you broke it and it fed a multitude, and we're asking for that again today. You understand each of our spiritual needs, and today we're asking that the Spirit of God would break bread to each of us. And that everyone could go home with something uh, that would uh, uh, inspire, challenge, convict, lead us along in our journey with you, Lord. So we commit this time to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Back to this scripture. Uh, Again, just like we said earlier, Jesus uh, clearly uh states that I uh, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And if we were to draw an illustration of that, we could put a couple of circles on the, on the board. And uh, we could uh, call the one your will, or in this case of the illustration, Christ's will. And we could uh, do the other one, uh, the Father's will. I realize that we could be technical about that and say that they were both one and the same. And there is a sense in which that is true. But there is also a sense in which Jesus clearly states that I didn't come to fulfill my will my own personal agenda, my own personal plans, my own personal comforts, my own personal dreams and goals. I had a will in view and that's exactly what I came to do. And uh, we'll see that in uh, as we look at a number of different uh, scriptures relating to it. He surrendered. He yielded. In other words, the word yield comes up. He yielded to the Father's will. He disregarded His own will. He yielded to the Father's will. And that was his uh, thrust, that was his mission, that was his purpose as he was in this world. He yielded his position. uh, Going back now to our scripture in Philippians, chapter 2. And I think I'd like to look at that one now in an Amplified Bible because it does give uh, some interesting wording there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being essentially one with God, And in the form of God possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God did not think this equality with God was a thing to eagerly grasp and to retain and so as this uh, says he was he was in position he was right he was right up there with the father he was uh uh he was he was one uh in in uh his position in his place in his uh, uh could i say life how do you say life in eternity but uh you know he was he was just that's where he was that's where he lived that's where he existed but he didn't hang on to that existence and refuse to relinquish it he didn't uh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I think all of us, when we, uh, when we, you know, in our journey of life, at certain points, we come upon something that really is impressive to us. It it just, it's, it feels good. It seems like the right thing. It's, we just like to retain it and live there forever, you know? And Jesus could have had that kind of a posture, you know? Uh, I've enjoyed this, this, uh, existence in the heavens, all my existence, uh, whatever that means with God in eternity past. But he didn't retain it. He didn't hang on to it. He yielded to the will of the Father. <clears throat> and he did it for us. <clears throat> so while he was equal with God, he yielded that position to become a man. <clears throat> Let's see here. Verse seven continues, but being stripped but but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a slave or a servant, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And so all that dignity, if we can use that word, all those privileges that were his as he existed in the presence of God and the Father, he he relinquished all of that, took on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and uh, took on a very, very different existence, ex- uh, living in a very, very different place. And, you know, we can't grasp that difference, because we've not known what he'd had before he did it. But we know that it was a tremendous, tremendous step of humility, a step down, a step of uh of letting go of everything that was uh, uh, part of uh, his existence there in the heavens and submitting himself to be born a little baby in a manger, grew up being cared for, Son of God, uh, developing in a, in a in a person and realizing that uh, at some point that he is in fact the Son of God and, and uh, that there's a ministry ahead of him and all those kind of things. Uh, he yielded... Uh, he yielded everything to uh in that position and submitted himself to the uh experiences of us as human beings <clears throat> he yielded the right to be respected and appreciated and as we will see in just a bit he yielded his will to his father's will right up to death right up to death he uh, This scripture says it here that, uh, how many Ephesians, too many Bibles here, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Uh, Yeah, it's hard for our minds to wrap around what he yielded and what he submitted himself to in uh, in coming from heaven. But uh, let's always remember that he did it for us. He did it for our salvation. He did it so that we could have an answer to our need. He did it for us. You know, the second thing I'd like to consider about Jesus is that yielding was not just his natural response. In other words, sometimes we can kind of set him apart and say, well, he was God. And we, we recognize that he was God. He was God in human flesh. But the scripture does give us uh, uh, enough of insight into his life to know that he also was human. And uh, he struggled in his flesh with things that we would struggle with. And we'll look at that in, uh, in Mark 14. Because we want to recognize that he lived where we live. Mark fourteen is his, and it's Mark's account of uh, the garden. Each of the three of the gospels have that in. <clears throat> Mark fourteen verse uh, thirty two and we'll read to verse thirty six says and they came to a place which was named gethsemane and he saith to his disciples sit ye here while i shall pray and he taketh with him peter james and john and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy now notice that his uh, his countenance he's dealing with something and he saith unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death tarry ye here and watch and he went forward a little, a little, and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And we'll just stop there. But... uh we see we see into the reality of uh, Christ being a human being in this scripture. He uh, th- it wasn't just an automatic. Okay, God said this is the next step. We're, here we go. It wasn't quite that way. He wrestled in his spirit and in his heart and asked for an, an alternative. Uh, I don't know what that all means because. Uh, um, well, I think it's there. I think it's there. I think Jesus, again, we can't quite grasp this, but he was he was God and he was flesh. He was human. I'll say it that way. He was human. He had taken on the nature of a human being. And in a sense, he had subjected his, uh, his, uh, uh, what the word is, but his dignities to the, lowly state of a human being, to where he wrestled when a difficult thing came upon him. And he knew that his flesh was gonna get raked with uh with rods and uh and he was gonna get nailed to a cross and he's gonna struggle for his last breath. He uh he faced that and his flesh struggled just like you and I struggle when we face difficulties. He uh he wrestled. He was not so different from us in that sense. Uh, scripture tells us that he was tempted in all points like as we are. I would have to say, though the Scripture doesn't tell us that, but I would have to say if it says he was pointed in all tempted in all points like as we are, he probably, uh, I don't know, how does this fit, but was he tempted to desire a wife and a family and all those kind of things? I don't know. He was like us. He was tempted in points like we are. That's really not a necessarily anything we have to answer but just thinking about how he yielded everything and that yielding was not just a natural response but that there was a battle there and he he did yield his heart he uh he states it he says uh not um nevertheless not what i will but what thou wilt and and i don't um i don't we don't necessarily see him at any point saying, you know what, Father, um, I, my will is different here. I just don't, I just don't uh, see, uh, I'm not going to go this way. We don't see him saying that. We see him saying, Father, is there a different way available? See, so He's still looking to the Father and saying, Father, is there a different way available, or must I do this? And, uh, and, and obviously it came back to him, this is what you must go through and he says, "Nevertheless, not my, what I will, but what thou wilt." And some of the other gospels give different aspects of it. <clears throat> Angels ministered unto him. Uh, one of them says that he was, uh, there was great sweats, drop, uh, sweat was as drops of blood. The thing I'd like us to see is that uh, you know, he travailed, he travailed. you know maybe just a little application here. you know it's okay if we need to travail at times. It's okay if life throws us a curve that we find difficult to handle and we need to travail. We need to get on our face. We need to go fall on our face and cry out to God for grace and wisdom and understanding how to respond properly. How to, uh, you know, what is God's will here, you know, that type of thing. Uh, we live in a, in a land that uh, promotes uh, a, uh, a feel-good Christianity. But, you know, If we're going to uh, develop any depth with God, we're going to have some of these. Some of these places of travail in our lives where we have to wrestle and surrender and yield ourselves to God, like Jesus did here. And then, of course, you know, yielding was not his natural response. However, we do discover that there was a reward for obedience. Uh, Brother talked about that a little bit this morning. Uh, Philippians 2.9, going back to Philippians, there was Philippians 2.9 tells us that, Wherefore, because of what Jesus did, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. <clears throat> he, uh, God, as a result of him humbling himself and accepting all of that into his life and yielding his will to the Father's will, God, in response, when it was all done, lifted him up to the highest place that anything, anyone, any, that there is to go. And he is at the top. He is at the top even now, and and uh, you know, it doesn't always appear that way in the conditions of the earth, but uh, we know the scriptures, we know the prophecies, the day will come when every knee will bow, the day will come when Jesus, in fact, will bring every enemy under his feet, and, uh, and until then, uh, we uh, wait with patience for it. <clears throat> You know, yielding, well, let me say this first, uh, obedience is rewarded in general. You know, could we say always, you know, maybe the reward isn't always what we hope for. Uh, but obedience is rewarded. God does uh, bless those who will walk with him, those who will yield to him, those who will obey him. And that's what Jesus discovered as he yielded to uh, the Father's will in his life. <clears throat> and yielding to the will of God is never a failure uh, you know thinking again of, of Christ it, it, it yielded tremendous fruit for us as human beings for the church for the kingdom of Christ that he established and all those kind of things so Christ was faithful Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3 uh, speaks uh, just a little bit about the reward as well I'll just uh, quote a few verses there. Hebrews 3 uh, <clears throat> talks here. Maybe i just start in verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. And yeah, talking about Moses and making a comparison with Moses and Christ and lifting up Christ and how he exceeds even Moses in uh, his faithfulness. Uh, he was faithful. Uh, is a testimony of Christ. Uh, verse 6, But Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So the t- this scripture gives us a testimony that uh, uh, that we are actually to consider Christ as we maybe consider our own lives that he was faithful he was faithful in yielding his will to the father's will he was faithful in following through with the with the the father's purpose the father's plan the father's goal uh what what God had in mind he was faithful and he has that testimony that uh he is faithful he was faithful and of course then that uh that kind of raises a question, you know, Christ was faithful. He yielded his will to his father's will and uh and through that uh, obtained eternal salvation for us, uh made it possible for us to uh uh be born again, have a new life in Christ. So what should our response be to uh to Christ? You know, uh what should our response be as we recognize what Christ did we look a little bit at what he did and how he yielded himself to a plan and a purpose that involved us and yeah let's look at that just for a moment when Christ did all of this came down from heaven took upon him the form of a man he yielded himself to a plan and a purpose that involved us we were part of the equation uh that's why he uh that's where he was going When he did that, Uh, that's when he was in the garden agonizing. We were part of that equation as he agonized. And uh, uh, well, just like Jesus, was it when the uh, uh, soldiers came out to get him? He says something about, you know, don't you know that I could call ten legions of angels or something of the effect? But how will the scripture be fulfilled? How will these people find salvation if I cop out now. If I call on heaven to come in and smite these men who are here to take me, how will the scripture be fulfilled? How will there be a plan of salvation for human beings in the next uh, several thousand years? So? Uh, and so, and uh, so, that was part of the. That's, uh, we were part of that equation as Jesus yielded Himself. <clears throat> Maybe the first thing for us to consider as we realize and ponder just a bit what Jesus did for us, what he uh, endured, what he yielded, what he was uh, aiming to do when he yielded. Maybe something for us to consider just for a moment is is uh, to realize that we are being pursued. Did you ever think about that? Uh, Jesus says these words in John 19, verse 10, and it's, re- it's regarding the account of Zacchaeus. But he says, uh, or excuse me, Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. There are many other scriptures that would indicate that. He uh, didn't come into the world to destroy the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, Jesus, uh, in doing what he did, and of course, having now obtained that uh, eternal position in the heavens, he is in pursuit of us. He is. He is pursuing you and me. You know, if we are lost, he is pursuing us to save us, to to, to deliver us from the from uh, our downward course, our uh, uh, bondage to the world, and whatever we wherever we find ourselves if we have confessed him as our lord and are endeavoring to uh, to walk with him he is pursuing our will he's pursuing our will and it becomes now uh the call for us to yield our will to him <clears throat> he yielded his will to the father and now he calls us to yield our will. And, hey, we could get technical and say, well, it's, it's, it's this way, you know, it's, and it is, you know, there, there's where we say they're one and the same, right? Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, he is pursuing us. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He is pursuing the affection of our heart, like, uh, the Colossian writer says, uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. If we have, uh, we have tasted of the Lord Jesus, we have uh, surrendered our lives to Him, we have entered into, uh, may I say, the new covenant with Him. He is pursuing our affections. He wants us to uh, uh, yield to His purposes. He is pursuing the top position in our hearts. He wants to be Uh, Lord of all. He wants to be above all in our lives and in our existence. We could ask the question, what hinders his pursuit of our hearts the most? What hinders it? He is pursuing us. And, uh, what hinders? We have... uh, We didn't, we were in Hebrews, in fact I'm still there, I'm not sure where you're at in your Bibles, but Hebrews chapter 3, we, we, we read about Christ's faithfulness. And, uh, and the comparison is being made of Moses and how Moses was faithful and Christ was faithful. And the example is being used here a bit of, uh, the comparison between the children of Israel under Moses and us as believers under Christ. And the exhortation comes to us this way, uh, in verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And here we have the writer Uh, drawing a parallel in our minds and comparing the children of Israel under Moses and their pursuit of the promised land and the fact that many of them didn't make it and the reason why they didn't make it. And he uses that illustration to warn us about our journey as a New Testament Christian, about our journey with our Lord Jesus and warns us about unbelief, warns us about hardness of heart, warns us about sin entering into our lives and hardening our hearts. <clears throat> he warns us about those things. And so, when we ask the question, what hinders his pursuit of our hearts most? I think this scripture probably spells it out that it's actually unbelief. You know, when we, when we have difficulty believing God for who he is, for what he said, uh, and we, we struggle to respond to it. <clears throat> Uh, just like it says here, that uh, so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. In uh, verse twelve, where we started, he says, "Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God." So, uh, also let's let's turn. Uh, we've we've looked at some interesting scriptures there, but let's go over to John chapter six and grasp a few thoughts there yet. <clears throat> in this context where we had been earlier. In John chapter 6, verse 35, we had read down further, verse 38 to 40, but now let's break in in verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Let's just stop there. Uh, Jesus saying there, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus is stating the fact that he will satisfy anyone who will come to him. He will satisfy those needs, those inner deep needs of the heart. Jesus will satisfy them. He states that clearly. But he says, but I say unto you that ye also have Seen me and believe not. And there we have the believe factor coming in again. Uh, what will hinder his pursuit of our hearts? There's, uh, you know, we could look at a lot of different things. But really, the bottom line actually is we don't believe God. We're in unbelief regarding God, his truth, his truth about us, his truth about salvation, his truth about walking with him. Is truth about a holy life, you know, you name it, whatever's contained in this book, uh, unbelief. When we face uh, God and uh, His truth, and we 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 grapple with it, we ha- we have difficulty accepting it. Uh, we, we we just don't quite believe it. I guess is the problem, <clears throat> and so we are exhorted not to. Uh, allow in what is called in hebrews an evil heart of unbelief as it said there that the uh, children of israel couldn't enter because of unbelief they did not believe him as we let's just look at them a little bit the children of israel they did not believe him so they did not yield to their will to his will they did not believe god uh that God had, uh, uh, maybe say it this way, they were not fully persuaded that God had their good in mind, and that the end of their journey was going to be a tremendous blessing. They didn't believe it, and therefore they didn't uh, yield their will to His will, because they didn't believe that about God. <clears throat> and that's unfortunate, but we have to ask ourselves, I guess, you know, What is it about God that we don't believe? You know, God had a plan and a purpose for the children of Israel. His plan and purpose was that they would be a blessed nation. That they would enjoy a life like no other people on earth have ever enjoyed in the blessing of Jehovah God. That was God's intent. And a whole multitude of them didn't believe it and didn't follow and didn't uh, yield their will to His will. You know the 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 uh the same is actually true in our day I believe. Uh the Lord Jesus does want to uh bring the Christian into a fruitful place in his life. Uh and I'm not talking about a job that brings you big money. I'm talking about a fruitful place in your soul. A fruitful place where your 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 uh, your uh your heart is uh, at rest in the Lord Jesus, in His love, in His uh, care for your life, where your heart has found Him to be everything that you need, and your heart is at rest in Him. The Lord Jesus desires that for every one of us. He does. He wants us to live in that place. Whether we've never yielded our lives to Jesus Christ, or whether we're a a Christian who is, you know, made a profession of faith, but we're all over the board, we're struggling, we're failing, we're messing up here, we're messing up there. You know, the same message is true. The Lord Jesus has good in mind for us. He has a road map in which we can discover truths that will help us realize that good. But we must, as we uh, recognize those truths, we have to embrace them and yield our will to His will if we're going to realize the good that he wants for us. And so they couldn't enter because of unbelief. May the story, may we give a different story, may we give a different testimony as a people, that we do enter into the joys of our Lord as we yield our hearts to his will and purpose. We could ask the question, what does yielding to God look like? What does it look like in real life? You know, yielding to God is as simple as yielding our will to His will in everything that we already understand about the Scriptures and His will. That's where it starts. Yielding our will to His will in everything that we already understand. And, of course, a lifetime pursuit of understanding more. But it does begin right there where we yield our will to those things we already understand, even though we don't understand at all. And maybe we're in a place where things don't seem to make sense. Uh, you know, the children of Israel were in this position when they crossed the, uh, the, the Jordan River, I believe it was that first time, if I recall correctly, <clears throat> They were in a spot where they had Egypt behind them with all their armies and they had the river ahead of them and they began to complain. What did God tell them? Told them to step into the water. The priests step into the water with the ark. And as they stepped into the water it went waters rolled back and they went suppose nobody would have took the first step forward. Suppose no one would have believed God and said, Okay, guys, here we go. We don't know how we're going, but here we go. Into the water. Get into the knees. And then up to the waist. And then the water starts to roll back. You know, I don't know how it looked, but... They were instructed to move forward. And that's what I see here in, this, in the Scripture as we think about yielding to God. You know, if we don't follow God and yield to God in what we have already understood by our own searching of the scriptures or by what others have taught us, we probably won't ex- can't expect to enter into the blessed rest and peace that God has for us if we don't step forward in faith, believing that if I follow and obey God and yield my will to His will, I will experience a blessing. And the blessing will continue as I... <clears throat> what does it look like? Isaiah 55, verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, for our God will abundantly pardon. That's a New Testament verse in the Old Testament. That's God. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> Here we have uh, several things taking place. For one thing, we are instructed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Now, that means basically taking our life that we live in these bodies and presenting it to God as something he can use and direct us and guide us as he would desire. Uh, You know, for some that uh, may not have uh, as drastic effects, but for others, they, uh, you know, God uh, calls them in in drastic ways to leave home farms, lands, uh, home countries and all those kind of things to go serve among a people in a tribe and uh, that they don't know a language or a culture. But it's yielding. It's yielding. Our bodies a living sacrifice to God, yielding our lives to God. Things that we already understand. Talks about, uh, of course, holiness is part of that. Uh, A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. You know, study what holiness is. What is holiness? What does it look like if I yield my body to God in holiness? You know, give that definition and uh, pursue it as you understand it. Pursue it. God will have a blessing for you. Be not conformed to this world. We live in a world. It's it's continually putting pressure on us to uh, cause us to develop into their form of thinking and their perspectives. But Jesus said, uh, the the scripture exhorts us to, to not allow us to be conformed and pressed into the world's method and ways of thinking, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, the pursuit of the word of God, the pursuit of understanding the will of God, the pursuit of washing our hearts and minds in the scriptures. And... Uh, Yielding ourselves to God. That's what it looks like. uh, Presenting ourselves to God. And there's dozens of places we could probably go with this. You know, part of the purpose of a church body is to help us understand the the truth and to walk in it. You know... uh, We all have our limitations in in, uh, understanding things and that's uh, where the blessing of a brotherhood comes in where we can have input from others that can help us understand the truth and help us understand how to walk in it. Christ yielded his will to the Father, to the Father's will, to secure our salvation. Is anything other than yielding to his will, a reasonable response on our part. You know, it says here in Romans there about uh, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or we could say reasonable response. Is there anything else after what Christ has done to obtain our salvation, is there anything else that is a reasonable response? But to yield ourselves to him, and I realize that is not, uh, you know, we can't give you a one, two, three step format and you can do it. It's a lifetime journey. But may I encourage us, let's pursue it. Let's pursue it wherever we find ourselves. Let's pursue uh, yielding ourselves to him that we might obtain the blessing just as the children of Israel were intended to obtain a blessing. <clears throat> That brings me to the third aspect of the message, which I wasn't sure if I would uh, have a voice to give, but I do. And uh, these three aspects play together a little bit. <clears throat> but I'd like to, this is actually the first time I'm speaking to you as a congregation here since uh, I shared the message on uh I believe it was titled, The Dynamics of Christian Brotherhood. And uh, in that message, one of the illustrations that popped out so easily to use because of where we were at was the illustration of movies and uh, use of movies. And there's an aspect of that subject that I feel should be shared yet before the subject is closed for this time. I feel there's something that should be said that hasn't been said yet regarding that subject. And I'd like to try to say it this morning in the grace of God. Maybe some of you have just put up a wall and you're tired of it. Uh, But uh, find a little grace and hear me out. You know, I have never shared... In a, in especially not in an open way. I know we talk about it in brothers' meeting, and you know a lot of different thoughts get shared. But I have never shared, uh, since that subject was so much in the focus of things, I've never shared, actually, a clear biblical basis for why my feelings are as strong as they are about movies. I've never shared that, I don't believe. <clears throat> Secondly, uh, and let me say this, I feel I owe it to you. But before I begin, I would like you to consider what, where you are actually at in your own heart regarding movies and their use among us. And maybe we should clarify a little bit, because uh, I do want to share my heart and be understood when we talk about movies, um, there's different categories of movies. I'm not sure. We could probably go three. Yeah, we'll go three. But these are productions, movies. We'll just use the word movies. Uh, we'll call these um, videos. And... uh I guess I'll just put DVD there for the sake of, I don't know which is which. But anyhow, <clears throat> when we're talking about movies and the use of movies, we are talking about uh, uh, productions in uh, the movie world. Uh, when we talk about videos, uh, let, me, let me change these. Let me change these. I like it better the other way. Let's go here, DVD and video. There, that's better. When we talk about DVDs, you know, we're talking about documentaries. Uh, We're talking about, you know, an African safari documentary. uh, uh, I don't even know what for documentaries there are out there, but we're talking about a uh, uh, Martha Stewart cooking show or whatever, you know, you know. Uh, stuff that's out there. Uh, there are, in the, uh, in the realm of DVDs and videos, uh, okay, and then over here, we're talking about real-life recordings, okay? Real-life recordings. And here we're talking about a little more of a mix. Uh, you know, it can be an African thing that is maybe... It's got a little bit of, uh, it's not just a quote real life recording exactly where they're sitting out in a tree with a camera, but it's, it's got a little bit of, it's dressed up a bit. And of course over here it is, uh, changing picture every three seconds. You know, it is, it's a movie. It's a Hollywood production. It's a movie world production. Let's use that term. <clears throat> in, uh, in, in this category, you know, obviously I trust that we all know that there are real-life recordings that are very inappropriate. We know that. Uh, We're not going to give description. I think we understand that. Uh, In this category, I'm sure there's also uh, uh, documentaries that probably are not particularly appropriate. Uh, When you evaluate it with Philippians 4.8, does it generate the mind to purity to holiness to, that's the question we have to ask I'm going to say over here for the most part with few exceptions I would put them in the same box same camp <clears throat> okay now the question that I have for you is this where are you at in your heart regarding movies uh, you know, we've, we've had some noise around here about movies. Uh, and if you're here as a visitor, just bear with me. I'm, I'm not blasting you. I'm talking to my people. We've had some noise around here about movies, and we've given some direction. We've, we've uh, yeah, we've, uh, quote, drawn some lines, made some rules. Now, my question is, where do you find yourself in your own heart regarding the Brotherhood Direction, decision concerning movies. I don't know, but I want you to ask yourself that question. Is it something that uh, the only reason that you maybe got rid of some or you don't watch them like you used to anymore is because of a brotherhood decision? Is that where you find yourself? The brotherhood said, no, we can't, so I guess we won't. I don't know where you find yourself. If you do, and maybe you're somewhere in between, you know, but I would like to... Yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're in a position where you will abide by what was uh, uh, given, direction that was given, but you basically had no conviction for it and you wonder why it's even necessary. Uh, but you're going to do it because you want to stay in the good side of the brothers. I don't know. Just think about it. Just kind of determine where you are at in your mind regarding the subject. <clears throat> don't be afraid to be honest with yourself. since you've determined that and I don't know where that is, but may I invite you or may I lead you to go a bit further in your uh, perspective there you know we will always and I recognize this we will always have issues in church life where um, we do them out of respect uh, that is a part of church life we we wouldn't necessarily feel that way ourselves, uh, but we recognize the brotherhood has a problem in this given area. We are part of the brotherhood. We are going to respect it and, uh, and abide uh, by the guidance out of respect and honor for the brotherhood. We recognize there's a place for that. I would like to call us to go further than that on this one, though. I would like to call us to go further than that. I would like to call you to the place where you can be the one to contend for it. And there's a Sunday afternoon discussion, and you can sit, you know, sit face to face with a stranger or a visitor or whatever or someone, and the discussion comes on the floor. And rather than being apologetic, well, this is where we're at as a church, you're the one who can scripturally defend the position. Am I okay to call you that far? I'd like to call you to that. You know, <clears throat> if, if we don't, if you don't, several things. Number one, and I do not make this statement in any derogatory way toward our Mennonite brethren. I appreciate them. But if all you've done is done, what the, done it because the church said so, you are a good Mennonite. You are a good Mennonite. That's how many of their churches function and their people function. And please, I appreciate our Mennonite brethren. I have a high regard for them. But just recognizing that's how churches that function with rules, that's where you sit. You do it because the church said so. But I want to call us beyond that. Seems to me there was something else I was going to say there. Two comments, but uh, one slipped my mind. <clears throat> okay, yes. The other one is this. And I I, um, I, recognize that subjects like this need to come up periodically and be discussed. As brothers, we, the younger generations need to hear these discussions and understand why we... And so we, these subjects, will come up in the future of church life. However, if all we do is just respond because the church says, no, we can't have it, I can pretty much assure you that it won't be very far down the road until the old ball will be rolling that way again. And uh, it'll be a little here and a little there and then some more and then some more. And uh, we'll be right back where we started in this discussion. And so I want to encourage you to go further. Then just, uh... okay, now, and I'm not going to try to keep you very long, but I do want to try to give you just a little glimpse into the scripture of why I do feel as firmly as I do about movies. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, turn in your Bibles to the second epistle of John. It's a book we don't go to real often. Maybe we should. I don't know not real large okay it's a little bit hard to know and we only have 13 verses but it talks about talks about truth Um, he's writing well it's Talking about love and truth, and, uh, those are two key elements in the Christian faith. <clears throat> it says in verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I have found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, Lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which ye, we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments, This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. And if we were to just sum up some thoughts in those verses, we notice that, uh, first of all, we're to love each other. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. So there we have both uh, verses, uh, both uh, uh, of the two profound truths of Scripture, that we would love God and we love our fellow man. They're both tucked right in there. A a basis of the the true gospel. Uh, And then he goes on in verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world. Who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves. uh, That we lose not those things which we have wrought. But that we receive a full reward. Now. Notice his exhortation. He's exhorting her in the truth. He warns her. It's written to a lady, by the way. He warns her regarding there's going to be false teachers and they're not going to come. They're going to come with a message that is not uh, uh, the message of Christ, that that Christ came in the flesh. It's going to be a different message. The church was already plagued with those back then. And, uh, and he encourages her, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have already wrought, but that we receive a full reward. In other words, you've been walking in the truth. You've been walking in the truth. Uh, there's going to be deceivers coming. Be careful. You don't want to lose the ground you've already gained. You don't want to uh, get sidetracked. You want to be faithful to the end and receive the full reward, is what he's exhorting her. <clears throat> and he goes on, whosoever transgressive. And abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. <clears throat> and having many things to say unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. But trust to see you shortly. <clears throat> Anyhow, I'd like us to consider this scripture just a bit. The um, in light of movies, and first of all, let's look at the message. There's uh, there's someone bringing a message here. Now, in this particular case, the message is cl- is specific and clear. They are not believing in the uh, uh, the that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Uh, there was excuse me <clears throat> there was a serious error there <clears throat> and uh, so we have that and then we have uh, we have the person you know coming with that message that is a message of error we have the exhortation to not receive that person that has that message into the house and we also have the exhortation not to send them off with a blessing so there's several th- different things going on there. Uh, and I would like to challenge us uh, at least a bit. As I think about the concept of movies, uh, first of all, uh, we are bringing them into our house. We are bringing someone else into our house when we bring a movie in now. Granted, I understand a computer brings a host of things into our house. I understand that. We need discernment and wisdom in all of them. But just for the sake of our discussion, we're going to focus on the movie part. Uh, So, we bring a movie into our house. Now, we're bringing someone into our house. Someone is representing that message on that movie. Now, the question we also then have to ask ourselves, is that message a biblical message? I don't think we just have to ask the question, do they believe in Jesus? Do they believe that Jesus came and died for... Uh, is it actually a presentation that presents the message of the gospel as we understand it? It is a question that we have to ask ourselves. And I, I had described the, uh, the uh, movie Courageous in our brother's meeting a few months ago and described some of the points along the way. And when I was done, a brother who had never seen the movie said, that is heresy. And here's the reason. The individual's life was totally falling apart before he gave his life to God, before he had an encounter with God. Yeah, I think he was a professed Christian. His life was totally falling apart. The car was falling apart. It wouldn't start. He was about to lose his career. His wife couldn't have a baby. Uh, There was just the the, uh, uh, soccer team he was, uh, or whatever it was, football, I believe, was, and I watched this just so I could speak intelligently about the subject. And uh, <clears throat> everything was going downhill. Okay, so he has an encounter with God. And I'm simply saying this more for the ladies' sake because you guys probably heard it already uh, when I said the other time, most of you. <clears throat> Anyhow, he has an encounter with God and all of a sudden, life starts to turn the opposite way. And uh, somewhere down the road, not too far, a brand new pickup shows up with a title in his name and the keys for him. Ah, uh, let me think. I'm not sure if I can get all the details of what all happened along the way. But ah, uh, you know, things just turned around. The old failing football team went from a, from a, a, a total failure to winning the, the, the top game. You know. And after the top game and, the, and, and all that stuff and everything is, and then he comes home to his wife and his wife tells him she, he's, she's expecting. And everything just went good after the encounter with god is that a biblical message that the new testament gives us no it's not and so i asked the question when we bring that message into our home first of all should we receive that message in our home secondly should we bless that message you know don't bid him godspeed and i just want to say we take that message and we bless it to our children we bless it to our friends we're adding our blessing to it. But it's not, you know, we said it's not. It doesn't portray the, the the gospel message and the reality of real Christian living the way we understand it from the Bible. You know, I know that uh, maybe somebody could uh, critique my presentation here on this scripture. But I don't think it's one we can just throw it all out and say it does not apply. I don't think we can. I think it does apply. Uh, and we need to give heed to what we accept into our lives and what we bless, especially in the light of our children and other brothers and sisters, you know. <clears throat> well, we'll leave it at that. So that said, I, I'm sorry, this is getting a little longer. Let me try to move along here quickly. That said, let's also, and now we're going to some of the thoughts that uh, Lynn or... Eldon had shared this morning. Uh, First, let's go to Philippians. Philippians 1. Philippians 1 verse 8. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And I think it would be safe to say discernment as a a similar word there judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ let's see if we can read that also in the Amplified Bible it says it very well And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and in all keen insight that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. So your love displays itself in that way so that you may learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best, and distinguishing the moral difference. Okay, Discerning, recognizing the highest and the best, and distinguishing the moral difference. And that you may be untainted, and pure, and unerring, and blameless, so that with heart sincere, and certain, and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling nor causing others to stumble that 's a mouthful if I had time i 'd read it again, but i 'm not going to. Uh, but basically, the gist of it is having discernment, having understanding and discernment, so that first of all that we live our lives in purity, and that as we relate to others we don 't stumble ourselves and we don 't cause someone else to stumble uh, <clears throat> and I would uh, I would highly uh, encourage us to consider those verses in light of and uh, discerning and understanding what is really excellent. New, uh, King James uses the word excellent. Eldon referred to First Thessalonians 5, verse uh, 21 to 23, talks about. Well, let me go there. Thought maybe I could quote it. <clears throat> Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. Prove all things, discern what will the effect of this be in the life of my, my life, my family, my grandchildren, my brothers and sisters in the church. How will it, uh, how will it affect us? Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, Get rid of the evil, <clears throat> is the exhortation. <clears throat> Discerning all things. And then I'd like to just make a comment on the entertainment aspect of movies. And that's that, uh, that, uh, that fast, uh, and again, you know, it, it, it can be throughout a bit. But I'm just now talking about the entertainment aspect. Uh, movies are intended to entertain. They are. That is their primary purpose. If they need to put a gospel message in to entertain and sell the product, they'll do it. But the intent is to entertain a class of people. And they know what they need to produce in order to to get it, you know, to the group they're targeting. Uh, So, I would like to just make an appeal uh, regarding entertainment uh, and the movie aspect. The fast-moving, enthralling, captivating screen. The picture is changing just as fast as it... They say television has to change every three seconds in order to keep the attention of the viewer. <clears throat> I guess I would, uh, I would really make an appeal that as God's people, we wouldn't subject our families to that entertainment world. To where our children delight in this entertainment and delight to sit in front of a screen and watch that, that uh, you know, that, that we would draw a line there. That we wouldn't pursue entertainment in that level, in that way. If you need uh, a story time with Aunt Martha or something, great. But, uh, you know... So, I'm just, I'm bearing my heart. I feel like I owe it to you. Uh That whole entertainment side of it. <clears throat> and again, I want to clarify. God is the judge. I mentioned one movie. Those folks are professing Christians. I am not standing here to judge them. God is the judge. We, you know... Uh, they may well spend uh, have, uh, eternity in heaven with us. I'm not in any way saying, but I am saying there is a problem with the message and we need to look at it based on scripture. We don't have to, they're a bunch of sinners. We don't have to say that, but we can look at it still and discern. And uh, <clears throat> In 1 John, and I'll close with this, you know the scriptures. We could probably all quote them. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. <clears throat> you know, the, uh, the movie World, As we see it over here, especially. The movie world is the world. It is. The movie world is the world. Uh, There may be an occasional exception, but in general, that movie world is the world. Let's let's, uh, recognize that. I encourage you. I've just shared a few scriptures and a few thoughts that lay, uh, lay the foundation of why I feel very strongly about the movie world and its involvement in our lives. I encourage you to study the scriptures, uh, step up to the plate, and become one of those who will actually defend the position. May I encourage you to do that? Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, again, thank you your grace to us and to each one here we do ask a blessing upon this assembly and ask that your spirit would be poured out and that we would have truly hearts that are yielded to your will so Father we just commit these few words to you may may the Lord Jesus again receive glory and honor from our lives as we yield to him we thank you in the precious name of Jesus Amen